Kedushin Daf Memtes. We are starting about 15 lines down here where the Gemara says, Amar Ula, 15 lines down on Memtes and Aleph. So we had a, a Mishnah which discussed case where a husband presented the Kedushin in one way, but there was really something that was mistaken about the Kedushin. So for example, he said, I'm a Kadashu with this cup of wine, and it really wasn't wine, it really was honey, or vice versa. He said, I'm a Kadashu with a silver dinner, it's really a golden dinner. In all these cases, the halacha is that the woman is not Mekudashas. The reason why she's not Mekudashas is because we don't know that she agreed. Just because she agreed, she agreed in with the premise that it was the way it was. When it really was a different way, then we don't know, in fact, that the Kedushin is valid. So the, the, prem, the, the Tanakama was saying that even if it's uh, something which seems to benefit her, like a, a golden dinner versus a, a silver dinner, which the golden bil- dinner has more value, but we still say that she is not married. Because certain times a person will need a item specifically, even if it has less value. So maybe she needed the silver specifically, and that's why she wouldn't be married, even though gold is worth more than silver. And then Reb Shimon said, then no, that if it was uh, something that benefits her, something that's her advantage, then even though it was a mistake, she is married. The Gemara clarified, though, it doesn't mean that she was tricked. Reb Shimon is referring to a different case. Reb Shimon is referring to a case where she made an agent and she said to accept her Kedushin. She said, Gumum Kaba Kedushin from this guy. He said he was going to give me a silver dinner for Kedushin. And then the agent went and the husband gave her a golden dinner and was discovered later was golden. So then we assume that the woman wasn't insistent. She was just giving a mar makam. She was giving, uh, telling her agent a method of what was said to her. You know, oh, the husband said to me he was going to give me a silver dinner. We assume she isn't particular about it. And the Tanakhama evidently is concerned, no. The agent did deviate. She told the agent, the woman told the agent, go get from that guy the silver dinner. And the girl, the agent went and got the golden dinner. So therefore we assume it's a deviation from the instructions and she's not necessarily married. So the Gemara tells us now, Amar Ula Machlokas B'Shabach Mama. The Machlokas is all about when it's something to do with money. Whether we assume uh, it's a monetary advantage that she was insistent on it or not insistent on it. It's all about money. When it's a matter of lineage, then it's a question of, you know, oh, this guy told me he was a lady. Go get Kedushin from Reuven. He told me he was a lady. And it turns out really he was a Kohen. So in that scenario, do we assume that she was insistent or not? Everyone agrees she's not married. My time, what's the reason? It's an expression, expression here in the Gemara that says that the woman says, I don't need a shoe that's too big for my foot. Meaning to say, and sometimes having too much yichas, being more of a prominent family, having a, being a Kohen versus living, maybe something that she actually does not want. So we assume that there may have been some aspect of being insistent. Usually, if, if she's if it's just monetary things, we could say, oh, she's not insistent on her being silver or gold. She's just giving a maramakam. But if it's a scenario here, where, where it's a question of the yichas, then there actually is a legitimate peda of the woman where she might say, I don't need a shoe that is too big for my foot. Says the Gemara Tanya, Al Chibrayse says like this. Well, even though he's saying that if she's tricked for that advantage of money, we assume she is married. But Reb Shimon would agree if the husband misled her about the advantage of something with lineage, then she is not married. Amar Avashi, Masis Namadika. The end of the mission is Madika. Like this, Tanya Amanasha, any coin for him to leave. First of all, go the case where I'm a coin, but then she was a levy. Levi is a coin. I reckon the Shem Levi is really a coin. Nasim Nimsa Mamz or Mamz or Nasim Mamz or Nimsa Nasim. In all these cases, the husband presents himself to be someone different than he really is. In all these cases, it says the condition is no good. Philopolic Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon doesn't speak up here. In other words, how come Rav Shimon is only speaking up by us where, where it's a question of money and not speaking up over there where it's a question of lineage? Must be, he doesn't argue on the Tanakhama. The Tanakhama. He concedes that there the condition is no good, even though it's, it's seemingly for the advantage of the woman to have better yichas, but we say no, maybe, ironically, a worse yichas is something that she prefers. Says the Gemara, but how are you going to explain 
This is further in the mission on the Amid Beis. The mission goes on to say, Menashe Yishli Bas Oshib Kamikudales. The man said, Become a Kudeshes to me on condition that I have a grown daughter or a maidservant. But Ainlo, in reality, doesn't have one. Menashe Ainlo, or if he said on condition, I don't have a grown daughter or a maidservant, Vieshlo, but he actually does have one. In that case, Kudushin is no good. Over there, Shvach Mamu, it's an advantage that's something you do with money. Because in the case, we had a grown daughter or maidservant, then that, that person would help out in the household chores. So if he claimed he didn't have such a person in the house, and he really did, so that deception would be to the woman's financial advantage. Wouldn't we rather financially to have a maidservant in the house? So what are you going to tell me? Rav doesn't argue. He doesn't say anything there. But Acham Bilopoli, you tell me he doesn't argue there. Certainly where it's financial advantage. We know Rav does argue. So how come Rav is not at the end of the mission? No, notice you're so busy bringing proof that Rav is not at the end of the mission there. It means he doesn't disagree. But no, you see, you can't say that because there's things that are about financial advantage and Rav Shimon's still not disagreeing. What do you have to say? You have to say Rav Shimon was only mentioned in the first part of the Mishnah and the example of the you know rich man claiming he's poor or someone who promised a silver or gold coin. But let's say if you have to say, you could figure out for yourself that he's arguing the second part as well. It goes without saying that if he claims he didn't have the maidservant when he had one, it goes without saying that she is married. So Achanami, you could say the same thing, Paul Abisha within the Seifa, so too in the, in the Yichos aspect. Perhaps we could say the same thing, that even though the mission didn't speak out the dispute by the Yichos, but we do assume, in fact, that Reb Shimon might argue, be arguing there where it's an advantage in going up in the Yichos, and he doesn't argue. It says the Gemara, Hachiyashra, it's not a good comparison. There, the daughter and the maidservant, you're making a good point. Both parts of the Mishnah are the same thing, where it's an advantage in money. So Paul Abisha within the Seifa, you can say that he argued in the first part of the Mishnah with the silver and gold coin and he didn't have to argue again. So we could assume the argument remains the same. But Hacha the Shavach Yilson in the second part of the mission where we're talking about a Levi or Cohen was about lineage had he really argued the mission would have said it. And the fact that he doesn't argue that proves that he, he, he does not state his opinion here. His opinion is only with financial advantage but it is not for um, lineage. Says the Gemara another answer or we can answer that in the case of the daughter of the maidservant, it's not just a question of finances. It is also a matter of lineage. Why? You think that Megdalas means a grown woman, someone old enough you know, to, to wash the dishes? Megdalas means a respected person. It means someone who, 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 who has a lot of clout in the community. People listen to her. To Amra, to Amra now the bride is saying to herself, I, I do not want to have such a person around in my house because this woman will, will, will take whatever I say. And then because she has a lot of respect, people respect from the community, so people will talk to her and they'll find out what my opinions are. So meaning like I'll be nervous to discuss things around the house because this woman who's a gadella, she has a lot of respect around in the community. So then she's going to, uh, people listen to her and, and, and she'll tell people what I'm saying around the house. She's not a nobody that nobody, that people don't care what she says. She's a respected person. So maybe that's the specific issue. If it's an advantage in lineage, maybe that's what, or financial things, we don't know what Shimon would say. But the point is, this is like something that a woman for sure could be insistent on because she might not want to have too much of a respected person in the house. So the Kumar is saying, if it's Shavach, in the finances, then Reb Shimon is going to say, no, it's the advantage and she's not Makhbet. But here, it's more similar to an advantage in terms of lineage because the point is that she, since she's a respected person, doesn't mean she's an older person who will wash the dishes, but rather a respected person, then it will come out hurting me when my opinions are spread around town. Says the Gemara, we're going to go through many stipulations here. A person does an act of condition with a woman, he says, become married to me on condition that I, I read Pesukim. Uh, so what's the law? As long as he reads three psukim from, from the Torah and the Shu'ah, she become married. Because basic reading, reading means 
I read from the Torah, even just reading three psalm in the shul, that's sufficient. No, she's not married unless you can read also and translate. He has to be able to understand what he is reading. Again, they're arguing like, what's the meaning of the stipulation? Says the Gemara, does it mean he just gives his own translation, like arbitrarily what he thinks the words mean? He's a bad, someone who translates Pasuk literally, he's a bad, he's like a liar. Someone who adds his own explanation to a Pasuk, it's like, he, he, it's blasphemy. You have to do it always according to the method of uh, Chazal. And what does that come from? The Targum of Unklos, Unklos, which was done by Ruch HaKodesh. So it's very important that we don't just give other translations that are random. It's important that we focus on the Targum that's given to us by Chazal. So the Mark explains, you're right, that's what it means. my Targum, what does it mean in translation? Targum Didon, it means our translation. You have to say what Unklos said, the correct Aramaic translation, that from Chazal. Says the This is what we said that three psalm works. That's only where the man the man said to the woman, is me a condition that I'm a reader. If he said I am a crow, which is mashma that he is an expert, not that I am someone who reads, but I am a reader, like I am the an expert. Then then she's not married unless he's able to precisely read the the chumash and the and the ksuvim. It's not just three psalm are going to suffice. A lot more will be required to fulfill such a stipulation. If a man said, I'm an Ashani Shona, I'm someone who learns. So what does that mean, I'm an Ashani Shona? It means he studies Halach. It means he studies Torah in general. So what does that mean? Pashas Rabbi Yochanan says Torah means Chomish. So Shona sounds like he's saying means Chomish, and Chizkiah is saying Shona means Halacha. So the Messiah says, Mesu have a the price. Ezu and Mishnah. What is called the, the category of Mishnah? Mishnah and Shona obviously are the same word. So what is Mishnah? But Meir Mahalachas, it refers to Halachas. We don't remember refers to Medrash. But no one is saying that refers to Chomish, so it's a Kashan Rabbi Yochan. And here the guy said, I'm an Asad, I'm a Shona. Rabbi Yochan is saying it refers to Torah. Presumably he's saying Torah means Psokim. So we see in Machlokas whether it means. Halachas or Medrash, but no one's saying it means Psokim. So the Gemara answers, top of the base. When Rabbi Yochanan said Torah, he didn't mean Psokim. My Torah, what did Rabbi Yochanan say? Medrash Torah. He meant the Medrash that expounds the Psokim. So therefore, he's going like the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, everything's good. Says the Gemara, if he just said to the woman that I am one who studies, if he said I'm a Tana, again, then that's Mashma, more of an area of expertise. At the Tani Hilfus HaSifra Vissifri, then it's no good unless he's fluent in all the Halachos, Sifra, Sifri, the Tosefta, and the Tosefta as well. Unless he's fluent in all those things, then she will not be married. But if he says, marry me on condition, I'm a student. We don't say he has to be the greatest student of the generation, like Shimon ben Azay and, uh, and Shimon ben Zoma here. So these are people who are students because they don't have smicha. You notice their names are not read. But of the students, they were the greatest students of the generation. But we don't require such that to fulfill the stipulation. As long as he could be asked a single question, he's learning, he responds, after that's considered a student. Even if it's a relatively, relatively easy thing that he's learning. Which is a an easy thing, and um, that it, you know, it's not. It, we don't study Masachas Kala like regularly, but it's 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 in the Gemara in the back of Avodah See, it's a small little thing. It's a, a halacha that speaks about the for the thing it opens with. It's Kala Blabracha. It's really by the Kenida, famous halacha. That uh, that a woman a woman when she gets married is asked for before the Shavuot Rachos is done. Anyways, that's called Masachas Kala. A nice, relatively. E- easy and light thing that she is studying, that, that he could be studying, as long as he knows that point that he is studying, then it's okay. And we continue, I'm conditioned, I'm a wise person. We don't say he has to be as smart as, you know, the Chachamim and Yavna, or like Rabbi Kiva or his colleagues. As long as he is able to, um, uh, that, that, that we ask him a question, 
and he is able to respond, then he qualifies as being wise. You know, it's interesting that what exactly the criteria of wisdom is. Akulpanim means he's able to, to he's able to give good reasoning to a good question, as opposed to necessarily being on the level of the Chacham and Yavne. On condition, I am strong. We don't pick the greatest, you know, generals from Davin Amalek and and Shaul. If his peers are afraid of him because of his strength, meaning his strength is something which intimidates other people, then that's considered a strong person. condition, I am a wealthy person. We don't say he has to be on the level of wealth. He's, he's, he has enough money that he's honored by the people in his town because of his wealth. That's good enough. If a person says, become married to me on condition I'm righteous, then even if he's known to be a wicked person, she is married. Because maybe he did a hear tshuva. So we see in the Gemara, obviously the unbelievable concept that even if someone is a rasha, but if they have a thought of teshuva, then just that itself considers them to be a tzaddik. I'm not shining Rosh Hashanah condition. I'm a wicked person. I feel it's Adi Gomer. Because that's just, even if he is known to be a Tzadik, she is married. Shemahir Davert, Avodah's Gomer, died because it's possible that he thought about Avodah's Zara, which can make someone, um, which is wrong. Remember, we learned that even though normally Akhadosh Baruch who's doesn't count the thoughts of a person as sin, but the thoughts of a Vodazar are. So a person can become wicked. Oh, by the way, all these things are only a suffix condition, but the point is we are concerned that there is condition. Okay, so now the Gemara speaks about general qualities. This is obviously a tangent. Once we mention a person saying, I am this, I am that. So we mention general qualities here. There are 10 measures, literally, but it's a volume. But here it just means measures of wisdom that came to the world. Aristotle took nine of the measures. So there's more wisdom in Israel. And the rest of the world is sharing just one of the 10 measures. 10 measures of beauty came to the world. Yushalayim took nine of them. Yushalayim is the beauty. The rest of it is just to the world. Ten measures of wealth came to the world. Tisha, not the Roman. The Romans took nine. The early Romans. And the rest of the world only has one. Ten measures of poverty came to the world. Tisha, not the Bavel. Bavel took nine of them. All the rest of the world took one. Asarakavim gasas yardil olam. Ten measures of gasas of arrogance came to the world. Tisha not le elam. Elam took nine of them. And the rest of the world took one. Elam is like where the Persia is, where the Persian nation is, and next above them. Gasas, so Gemara now asks, Gasas the Babylonica, arrogance did not come to Babel. We're saying Babel had the poverty. And Elam had the arrogance. Is that like that? Vaksev, it says in the Pasuk. So the Pasuk in Zechariah says, well, I, say, I, air, I raised my eyes and I saw this is in Avua. There were two women, the wind was between their wings. Their wings were like saying, it's like the wings of a bird. They lifted up the Eifa, they carried it between heaven and earth. I said to the angel, speak to me. Where are they taking the Eifa? They're making her a house. In the land of Shinar. So here the Navi Zachariah, he's seeing he's seeing these in his vision, these two women taking the the Eifa to the land of Shinar, which is Bavel. And the idea is that they're taking some sort of Yetzaharas, uh, the idea they're taking it to Bavel. So these two women are symbolized um, arrogance, uh, arrogance here, Rashi says, and also like Hanifa to Bavel. And that's where they're coming from the Gemara. False flattery when you say good things about people and it's not true, and arrogance. Those things came to Bavel. So, anyways, what do we see from this whole thing? Rabbi Yochanan said that there was arrogance which had descended from Bavel. So, why are you saying the arrogance is in Elam? It's also in Bavel as well. 
So the Gemara answers in Lahachanachas. Really, what happened was the arrogance originally went to Babel, but it just extended and went to Elam as well. So the Gemara adds, Dekanami, this idea that it first went to Babel and only extended to Elam is implied also from reading the Psukim, Dekhtani Livnos Labais, to build the house only for her. It sounds like it's only for one of the women. Shmamina, we see that the one with the arrogance was no longer there in Babel. She already left for Elam. So we're saying that the arrogance, yes, it was sent out to Babel, but eventually it just went to Elam. Normally poverty is a mark of, of arrogance. In other words, they, they, go, they go together. People who are, who are arrogant become poor, um, and therefore we're asking that if we know the poverty is in Babel, we know poverty is in Babel, so we would expect that in Babel also would have the arrogance. So the Gemara explains, no, what does that mean? What, that poverty and arrogance goes together. The poverty being going arrogance means poverty in Torah. That's not in Babel. Babel just has literally literal poverty, but not poverty of Torah. The real poverty in Torah is in Elam, where the arrogance is. Elam is described as the Pasuk and Shem says, we have a sister who doesn't have breasts. So the idea of breasts is to give. So Elam is a place without Torah knowledge, without great teachers. They're missing the idea of the nursing. They can't teach other people. Even though she learns Torah, but she does not teach the Torah. So therefore, Bavel, which only has literal poverty, but not poverty in Torah, they don't have the arrogance. Whereas Elam, who has poverty in the Torah, they're the ones who have the arrogance. We continue. Asarakam Gvur Yadulon, ten measures of might came to the world. Tishon of Parsayim, the Persians took nine, the rest took one. Asarakam Kinamadulon, ten measures of lice came to the world. Tishon of Lamadai, media took nine of them, and the rest of the world as one. Asarakam Kshafim Yadulon, ten measures of witchcraft came to the world. Tisha, not the Mitzrayim, Egypt took nine, the rest of the world took one. Sarakab and Nigamigolom, ten measures of diseases came to the world. Tisha, not the the pigs have nine, the rest of the world as one. Asarakab and Nusirodolom, promiscuity, ten measures came to the world. Asara, Tisha, not the Arabia, the Arabia took nine, the rest of the world only one. Asarakab and Azazazolom, brazenness came to the world. Ten, ten measures, Tisha, not the Mishan, Mishan took nine, the rest of the world took, um, took one. Asar Kabim Sikhar Dolon, ten measures of conversation to came to the world of talking to Tisha not the Nasham women took nine. The rest of the world took one. Asar Kabim uh Adulolam, drunkenness and came to the world in ten measures. Tisha no Lukushim, the Kushim took nine of them. Asar Kabim Shinu Adulolam, ten measures of sleep came to the world. Tisha Nalu Avadim slaves took nine, but not Lukonukulu. The rest of the world took one. Okay, we'll stop here.